Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Hola, mis amigas y mi amigos. Como esta? Welcome to episode 18 of Dream 10X. This is your boy, Jaime Capel, <laughs> and your girl. Dr. Cynthia Capel. Okay, Dr. <laughs> Cynthia Capel. How's it going, doctor? Oh, good. How are you doing? <laughs> good. What have you been up to? <laughs> All kinds of things. How about you? <laughs> good. Getting ready for Christmas? Got the Christmas lights up? Yep. Finally, it's all pretty outside. Pretending to and be inside. into uh, the spirit of Hanukkah and Christmas and whatever else. All the fancy shiny things. Yeah. Yule. Um, what are we talking about today? I thought you read the book uh, The Art of Learning, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting how all these things are swirling about in my head, and I'm trying to congeal these into a cohesive thought, but. Today, I thought we would talk more about machine learning mm-hmm. and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and how that applies to our own learning and how humans learn. I like that. Um, so I've been, over the last year or so, you know, I've been working with Alexa and I've been messing around with hackathons and Alexa and deep learning on, on the Amazon platform. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get a feel for what this whole deep learning and AI stuff is about. And I'm still not there yet, um, but slowly but surely I'm, I'm learning more. And I, I've been walk, working through some courses on Coursera on machine learning, and I, I subscribe to a newsletter that I, I get through them through DeepLearning.ai. And um, I'm just struck by the huge advances that are being made right now in the field of machine learning and AI. It's really profound. Like so. Just to kind of put things in perspective, like, you know, when the the World Wide Web became a thing in the 90s, if, if, it, if, you, if any of you guys remember. I remember the or, Prodigy or, commercials. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, somebody would love to be able to participate in that. Prodigy? Yeah, I remember oh Prodigy. Oh, my gosh. CompuServe. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that time was just huge. Uh, it was just a huge shift in the world at that mm-hmm. time. And, and then we had, um, I guess, mobile. Mobile became, you know, there were, there were Palm Pilots at the time. And then Palm Pilots became BlackBerry. And then BlackBerry became, uh, I guess, Windows. Yeah, Windows Mobile was kind of along there with BlackBerry. And then Android came out. And then, well, I, actually, iPhone came out before mm. Android. And then Android came out. So mobile was another, you know, big, bu- big offshoot in the whole tech tech field at the time and then uh, I guess not too far after that cloud became a thing and I was like burned out of all these technological changes at the, then you know and I was like cloud eh, no, nobody's going to go to cloud security is going to be a huge issue um, nobody's going to do that so I just ignored it and finally I, you know talking to my friend Mike Altrus who worked at Amazon and then Google he's like dude you should figure out how to learn these Amazon you know Amazon services and stuff like that so I 
took his advice. Um, usually I try to be somebody who's forward thinking and trying to you know, anticipate what the latest tech stuff is. But I totally ignored cloud and cloud is like huge now. And for many, many reasons, I think cloud is a big uh, driver in the, the, you know, the ongoing success of machine learning and AI right now. And I think AI and machine learning are going to be, yeah, I don't know how it compares to blockchain. I still, I, I'm against blockchain and, and digital currency, but because I'm against it, it's probably going to be popular you know, mainstream popular, I mean, at some point. Um, I am interested in learning more, more about that, but uh, I think AI and ML are going to be much larger than any of the, any of the, the things that have happened so far. There's so many diverse uses for it in all fields and, and applications, so it, it seems like well, it seems to make sense. Well, that's interesting. Like, is there really? Like, so I'm trying to pinpoint what are these, these uses? Where is it really being leveraged? Where, like it's really it's not hard where is to it find. being leveraged, but where could it be leveraged? Oh, and that's like the that's, yeah. That's where I, mean, that's that's where I see like the future potential, where it could be leveraged in so many really cool ways to help us. And uh, and by the way, I am like a total conspiracy theorist guy, and that's going to take over the world. So <laughs> yeah, um, so it's terrifying. Like, and I think you you said this too that to have machines take over, but at the same time, I see a lot of really awesome potential uses to help us be better. Yeah, I, I mean, from what I'm reading, the uh, the big corporations, the ones who have all of the real talent in this area, are the ones who are really innovating and in, in, in using the technology internally. Like Alibaba, you, you read a lot about Alibaba using AI and machine learning to improve their their financial data models and, and predictive um, pattern analysis. Uh, Amazon, of course. You know, they have tremendous in-house machine learning AI capabilities that they offer. Uh, anybody can use those services for, you know, all you got to have is a credit card and you can start using those services. But uh, to have similar capabilities in your own enterprise, uh, you got to have a lot of money, a lot of R&D effort to, to build that. Um, so that's why it's, and cloud has infinite amount of disk space, infinite amount of memory, and all of these things are helping to drive this um AI machine learning field right now. Um, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office says uh, AI tech is involved in one out of six of their current applications. Wow! At the you know for patents, um, the government is like huge into wanting AI and machine learning technology right now, as you know, since you work for the government. Um, I think. President Trump passed some or said something about last year about, you know, trying to get the government to use more AI tools and technologies in the government to try to help modernize and stay current because uh, private industry is really lever. It's like it's an arms race out there. It's a global arms race right now with with AI. And um, it's truly a world of haves and haves nots with the technology, I think. Uh, so much so that I think a lot of people who work in the technical arena aren't even aware of what's going on, myself included. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I said, I've poo-pooed a lot of the the new emerging tech for the last couple, for the last decade or so. Um, and you know, I've been looking for ways that AI and ML have been actually been used by, like, you know, use the term. Uh, alpha geeks, people who are really trying to be on the cutting edge of stuff. And I'm starting to see that on YouTube, like 
some high school kid I saw who's using Python and ML to create his own chess engine. That like, is so cool. On his own, not using any cloud or anything yeah. like that, just running on his laptop. Wow. Which So when you see that happen, when hackers start to be able to use that that technology and leverage that technology without being out in some big cloud providers, you know, uh, ivory tower, then, then, then you're starting to see that's going to become more prevalent, I think. So that, that's what I've been on the lookout for. I'm starting to see that more. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, chips. Everybody's coming out with machine learning chips now. Like Apple just came out with the M1. It's got neural networks embedded can, on all the can chips. Can you say what that means? Because I have no idea. So computer computer chips, CPUs, GPUs. Uh, oh, the no chips kidding. in the laptop. So I can buy facilitate. a laptop with the machine learning. <laughs> They're optimized for machine learning workloads. So what does they, that they, mean? That means, uh, you know, the regular CPU, central processing units on the laptops, operate a certain speed, frequency. Uh, GPUs uh, are more for a graphical game type of thing, and because of that, they're used to crunching more data, more numbers faster. Mm -hmm. And so these chips that they're coming out with have that have gr even greater processing power still, meant specifically for teaching machines how to think, how to do things. Uh, the processing power is even better. It's embedded on the chips. That's cool. So anybody uh, could buy one of these computers with the advanced CPU in it and really start building their own neural networks. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they're for is to help, you know, the the alpha geeks and the less alpha geeks start to get more hands-on with doing stuff with it. Wow, okay. Um, so there's Apple M1 that came out. There's Amazon's got the Inferentia chip. Um, there were some other things that Amazon just recently announced at uh, uh, Jassy's conference, or uh, Keynote speech at reInvent this past week. Uh, what was that? Inferentia, and there was something else. Um, There's the oh, the Habana Gaudi chip that um, is out of Intel, which you can now use on the uh, EC2. This is all tech stuff. I'm, your eyes are glossing over, but just wanted to throw these out that these are examples that help exemplify how you know the the um the environment the uh what do you call it not the environment but the the field the research field is just exploding and it's exploding everywhere and they're competing <laughs> and, so all these chips are like saying well we're ours is better than yours so buy yeah, our equipment and yeah so it's like okay yeah our machine learning chips are faster and better yeah. and more powerful come, use our, <laughs> come, come buy our laptop because it's got all this cool you will be machine ultimate learning. hacker <laughs> yeah you will build skynet exactly exactly um, Bloomberg, Bloomberg government projects that the federal AI ML contract spending will grow almost 30% year over year, reaching 4.3 billion by 2023. I totally could see that. Yeah. So, um, what, what are we doing with all this stuff? You know, so all of a sudden we've got, we're going to, so I'm very paranoid now. So yeah. I'm worried that everybody, a lot of huge swaths of American society are, are going to be replaced by the power of machines and that we really need to, to focus on figuring out how to differentiate ourselves <laughs> from the machines verify you know validate our employability to corporate america yeah and that's really interesting like my field specifically because in learning and development like machines could easily do all the things that we do so really <laughs> and probably better so how do we how do we make sure that the machines are are doing one thing and helping us be better and helping us grow and 
we have to rethink what learning is. Exactly. And that's why when I saw this book, The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin on your bookshelf, I was like, I got to read that. I got I to gotta find out if he offers it. I have Dewey too if you want to read Dewey. <laughs> uh, I, I got to read Dewey just because I'm married to you at some point. But, but yeah. Um, so, and actually reading Josh Waitzkin's book, The Art of Learning, I definitely saw a lot of parallels in this book with the things I'm learning about machine learning and how to teach a machine to learn, which is really, it was really interesting to me. Like, um, so just a little uh, overview on this book. Uh, this is a really, Josh Waitzkin is a really interesting guy. He was, he, I guess he started playing, he's from New York, lived in Manhattan. His dad was like some writer, some kind of writer, sports writer, something like that. And he started uh, walking through a park, uh, Washington Park in Manhattan, and saw a bunch of guys playing chess there, speed chess, and got fascinated by the game. And this is well before uh, Queen's Gambit came out. So very similar thing, you know, which is also interesting. Why, why is chess such a thing now? Mm -hmm. um, chess is really interesting in this day and age because of computers and machine learning, I think. To me, uh, I, and I don't know if it's in the psyche of other people as well, but um, the game and, and teaching computers to play the game and teaching people to play the game is really fascinating, and it's really fascinating um, uh, the complexity of the game is very fascinating. The background on this book, going back to the background, Wade Skin learns how to play chess in Washington Square by watching the, guy, the guys play speed chess, and he... You know, he, he somehow he, he picks it up. He magically picks it up, kind of, it seemed like. I don't know how he, how he did. But um, he goes on to uh, get instruction through various teachers, including the guys in Washington Park. And um, he gets mentored by these two Russian guys, one of whom uh, really resonates with his personality and the other who, who doesn't. <laughs> and... Um, that kind of wrecks him because uh, the guy who doesn't resonate with his personality, the mentor who doesn't resonate with his personality is so domineering and tries to change fundamentally who he is that it kind of messes up his mm -hmm. chess play later on in, and it's no uh, fun in, anymore. in his life. Yeah, and apparently. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the other really interesting part of his chess career is that his dad wrote a book called uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer or In Search of Bobby Fischer and the book was about Josh uh, as a kid playing chess and the movie came out when uh, close to the period where he was you know around 17 or 18 and becoming a trying to become a national champion or whatever and uh, so we watched the movie yesterday and it was really interesting to uh to, to see the movie and to think that while he's actually playing that movie's coming out and all of a sudden he's got all these fans while he's trying to become you know the top level player in the United States and how that just was such a detractor to his focus and you know being a teenager 17 or 18 he's got all these these girls you know <laughs> following him around and throwing their bras at him or whatever and um man that would be the life
Yeah, so, uh, was, I mean, what a fascinating family. His yeah. dad, yeah, and the guy, he wrote a book about him, then the movie came out at the same time. He's, like, at the top of his game playing chess, and, um, you know, and then after that, he, uh, after he's done playing chess, he goes on to uh, become uh, Tai Chi Push Hands World Champion. And I, didn't, I never even heard of, uh, I've heard of Tai Chi, but I haven't heard of Push Hands, so that Not was... Interesting to see some of those YouTube videos on that. Um, so that's the context of the book. He tries to provide some high-level principles and a loose framework for how to go about becoming, going from, touch touch on them all. What's but, been meaningful for you? Um, well, some things that, so like I said, I'm taking some machine learning. I'm trying to learn machine learning through Coursera and this Google crash course that I'm taking. <laughs> And um, it, it talks about how to, you know, use, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm starting to learn, but um, you, you use these large data sets and you annotate the data set. So you got a picture of a frog and you annotate it with some metadata and, you know, it says, it says it's a frog. And if, you, if you're trying to teach a neural network to identify frogs, then you send it as many frog pictures as you can with, that, with those labels on them. It's called supervised learning. Is it like teaching a kindergartner? Like this is, you show a picture of a duck and then you show yeah. a picture of an elephant and you say, which is the duck? And then yeah. they point to it and yeah. then you show them a different picture of a duck. Yeah. Is that the same kind exactly. of thing? Exactly. Yeah, it's just like teaching, so it's a, like teaching a kid. It's like teaching an infant. Yeah. Exactly. So it's really fascinating the parallels between this book and te teaching a machine to learn from what I'm learning through, <laughs> through these courses. It's very, very similar. Hmm. So, uh, Basically, what you do is you create these chunks of data and you annotate them. Frog, not frog. Frog, not frog. That's what you do. That's supervised learning. Chunks of data with this metadata associated with it and you feed it through this network. And there's this concept called gradient descent where it tries to mathematically take all this data and fit it to what it thinks is a model of that data. And it uses a process of, of loss. So loss is the difference between fitting a point to the model and not being able to fit the point to the model. So it's, the, it, it, it's not correctly recognizing it. There's, there's a loss there. And these fundamental notions aligned with a lot of what he talks about in the book. Um, he talks about developing an intuition um, he, he uses this phrase, uh, learning the numbers to leave the numbers, which this guy was like 29 years old when he wrote this book. And man, I was like blown away by that. And basically what he's saying is you got to know something really, really deeply. You got to, you got, if you're using a math analogy, you got to know the numbers really deeply. If you're using a chess analogy, you got to know the numbers of all the chess pieces, the values that they represent. Um, how, how, how to add them up to calculate your position relative to your opponents. You got to know all those details as an early learner, but you also have to know, you have to get to the point where you know all of that stuff so well that you no longer think about the numbers. You, you have a deep intuition about that. And that's a key component to machine learning as well. You have to develop an intuition for how to uh, optimize the training of the computer, of the machine. <laughs>
blown away by that. And he also references uh, chunking data in order to help facilitate that learning process. In, in order to, to you know, know those numbers so well in those data chunks, but then get to a point where you associate metadata with those chunks and you can, so you can just look at, you know, little high level pieces of metadata and understand a huge swath of complicated scenarios. And that's how he looked at playing chess and all the complexities of the different moves that you can make. He knew all the details about those, the, the micro aspects of the game. He knew though the micro aspects in and out and that helped him play the, the macro game much faster and much easier than, than most, if not all, of his opponents. That's just really interesting. It's amazing. Um, and then he, he also talks about investment and loss. And so I compare, you know, when I hear loss and I'm studying this machine learning thing, I'm thinking gradient descent and the loss and fitting your data to the model. And that's exactly kind of exactly what he's talking about. Um, loss can also be equated with failure and, and invest in your failure while you're practicing. Don't be afraid of failure. Seek out opponents who are better than you. Play them, lose to them, and learn from that experience. <laughs> That's Dewey right there. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, Dewey. <laughs> Here's your next book. <laughs> <laughs> How We Think by John Dewey. All right. Does it have any pictures in it? <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. Um, he says, losing sucks. It's often hard to bounce back from losing every day. You feel like you don't have what it takes. Well, those are kind of my paraphrasing of that. And when you really think about that, when you're trying to push through to the next level, if you can think about some analogy in your life where you were just losing all the time, I, I have a lot of those experiences and you, you start to feel really quickly that you just don't have what it takes, mm -hmm. you know, but um, the way he puts it is it's an investment in success is that loss. And I kind of, I wish I could go back and have that mindset yeah. back in time. Eric Wall says, fail fast, fail forward. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I love that quote. Same idea, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I learned about a book called On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Mm -hmm. I've never read that. That was mentioned in the book, so I wrote that down. Um, there was another book mentioned that I want to read by Robert Persig, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So that's another one he mentioned. Um, really interesting book. I, I learned a lot from it. <laughs> I enjoyed drawing parallels between machine learning and human learning. And a lot of what he talks about seems to, you know, resonate in both fields, human learning and machine learning. So really fascinated by that. Uh, along those lines, we, we actually, Cindy and I watched on Amazon Prime a couple nights ago, a show, a documentary called Google and the World Brain, which uh, is, a, was a, is about Google's um, project, I guess, to scan as many books of the world as possible and how they were going to libraries all over the world harvard and oxford and you know um i don't think they went to the vatican i wonder why they didn't go to the vatican but there was there was um just a lot of who knows how many libraries and big places that they hit to uh to scan the books and then how they ran into trouble with the french and the germans 
who said, hey, this isn't... Oh, and in Japanese as well. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, hey, this isn't right. These are, you know, some of these are copyrighted materials that the authors are still around and you can't just take their copyrighted material and make them online and potentially, you know, you profit from. Um, and so I was kind of... You've benefited from some of these books online, right? Oh, your, yeah. Research? When I was doing research for my dissertation and for school and all kinds of papers, and even now at work when I'm looking for a certain concept and I can use, the, I put it in the search box and I can get paragraphs and contexts for what I'm looking for, it's been wildly helpful. Yeah. And did you have to pay for any of that? So um, the way that they do it is they give you segments of the book related to your query uh, but they don't give you every page so you'll have page uh one two yeah. three it's missing four and five and you get six seven eight <laughs> so it's like so you don't get the whole context so that's i guess their way around the copyright laws oh, uh, okay. however i've i found it really helpful i've found it just i found it more annoying than helpful yeah like I've, I've searched for stuff and it's hit in some books and, I, and then I get this PDF that I have to scroll through and I'm like, what, why the heck am I? I hate reading books online. So just the sight of that annoys me. However, it is very intriguing that they are scanning so many of the world's texts, books, mm -hmm. not textbooks, but books. And um, they didn't talk about the Google brain. In I this, wish they had this show, but yeah. they did. They did put it in the title, and they did mention <laughs> that Google is aggressively scanning all the books. Mm. Books is an interesting data set because it's pretty well organized data. Um, in terms, you know, there's generally a lot of quality control that goes into writing a book mm -hmm. through editors and whatever, whatnot. And so I could see how if you could uh, turn a machine learning, you know tons of networks to analyzing all that data that you you know you could make a you could make a pretty smart machine i mm -hmm. would think yeah i would think that's what google is up to but again that goes back to uh what's going on in the ivory tower of these big fang companies yeah we don't know about we don't you know it's interesting but we can surmise what's going on mm -hmm. and uh it helps highlight to me the importance of books and that's why I, I'm, I just, right here, towards the end of the year, I'm just like, ah, I want to read as many books as I can. Um, not to compete with Google Brain, but <laughs> just to some my own human feeble attempt to learn as much as I can about as many different things as I can. So that's The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. Really enjoyed the book. I uh, recommend you pick it up. You can buy it by clicking on our link in our um, book section. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next week.